What is up, everyone? Welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. I am your host, Nick De La Torre, and today we have a very deliciously comfortable episode for you. We're going to be talking about Sock Religious and much more with the creators of Sock Religious. And if you don't know what Sock Religious is, it's a play on the word sacrilegious, but it's like socks that you wear that are religious. All of that is coming up right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Awakened Catholic Show. This is not your grandmother's Catholic talk show, unless she's a really, really cool grandmother. Scott and Elizabeth Williams, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great. Great. How are you, Nick? I am doing marvelously well, even better. Now that I'm talking to you, I have two pairs of sock religious, and I love wearing them. I love the questions I get about them. And, uh, you know, am I wearing my pants extra high when I wear them specifically so that people notice? Maybe, but don't worry about it. Um, do you guys wear your own socks? Almost exclusively, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that that was your answer. When there was a pause, I was worried that, like, <laughs> I caught you like, oh, crap, no, we don't wear our socks. Um, we just did uh, kind of like a purging of our of our house and closet, and we threw away a lot of, of secular socks in the, in the process, but uh, even some of our, our older socks. But, yeah, we... we almost exclusively wear them. Yeah. And I, um, we, we had the longer ones, like the one size fits most ones. And, um, those are just, I would get a little too hot. So now that we have their, um, no show socks. Okay. Much, much more comfortable in those personally. So yeah. I'm pretty much exclusively in the, the shorter ones, unless I'm cold. That's awesome. I'm going to have to check out those no show socks. Cause that's actually what I, the kind of thing I usually wear. Actually mine are like ankleless socks, not quite no show, but, um, yeah. that's, I'm going to have to check out your inventory to go beyond the two that I'd have right now. Um, it's, it's so funny to me. You mentioned the term secular socks and you, and you, you used that term with me before we started recording. And I just started chuckling inside. Cause it's like, I've never considered my socks to have any, like the, the, the nature of being secular. Like that's just really <laughs> hilarious to me. Sock religious. It's everywhere. Everyone's rocking sock religious. How does it feel to be the people that are creating the stuff that is on like every serious Catholic's feet? It, it feels like we're the owners of the world's largest Catholic sock company. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet it's more than a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious to hear the the story of, of how that got started. Um, but it, but it really is, it, it's become ubiquitous. I mean, every like major Catholic organization and company that, you know, provides merchandise and, and one of the things they offer is socks, like they're pretty much always from sock religious. Like that's kind of you're, you're kind of a big deal. I mean, it, it's been a joy to see see it grow over the years, but but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's awesome to 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 work with some of the companies that we've we've you know just looked up to over the years, and 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 they want to have not only like a sock to represent their brand, but they want a sock religious sock to be part of their their lineup. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I for me as a user of your apparel as a wearer of your apparel like i i honestly do get asked like what is your sock about I, i've had some protestants be like oh that's a nice sock and then i'll tell them yeah it's a rosary and they're like oh <laughs> <laughs> um but it is it's it's so fun to me to have conversation starters like that you know if you don't want to go to the extremes of getting tattoos like i have like i have a benedict medal on my arm and i can't tell you the number of times i get asked what's that tattoo about and i tell them you know it's 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 this amazing uh metal that's used in crucifixes that are used in in exorcisms and i go and i tell them about the story of how it was discovered and what the the prayer the vade retro satana prayer means and it's so epic you know if you want to st stop short of getting tattoos wear sock religious exactly <laughs> i mean it's it's honestly the reason that we exist and that we keep on doing what we're we're doing because I mean, we, we like to say that sock religious, we create products that start joyful or we make joyful comfort, joyful products that start conversations because I worked full time in Catholic youth ministry for about 10 years. And I realized that one of the most difficult parts of the evangelization pro process is just starting the conversation. And once you get past that hump, like everything else, just God takes over. It's in our hands and we're able to go from there. It's so true. And you never know. You know, if you're having that conversation, maybe at a restaurant, like I've been at restaurants and whether it's my tattoo or something else that they notice, like, what's that about? Um, 
that may be the only conversation you ever have with that person, mm -hmm. but like it could plant a seed of interest or curiosity or new openness that may have rippling effects in their lives. And, and you may never see the outcome of that, but God is using it f in some way. And so I, I love that about what you guys are doing. Um, you know, and I, I've, I've worn the stuff here on the show a couple of times, you know, uh, I, I think it's kind of a fun little Easter egg when I wear pants that are cut a little bit high, like the ones I'm wearing right now, although I'm wearing boots without my sock religious socks. I forgot them today. But, um, you know, it, it's just it's also fun. Like, who doesn't enjoy fun socks? Like, they look cool. They're not just like, I am Catholic. Like, they just they look stylish. They look fun, colorful. Um, and a lot of the different models are so different. Like the one that I have, I think is more of like a, a bluish purplish with like burgundy uh, accents and that's the rosary one. And then I have another one that's like brown and yellow. Um, yeah. I mean, do, are you guys making these designs? We are not. Not the two of us. Scott, but... Scott made the first, the yeah. first uh, sketch of the first design and actually our, our creative director who at the time was a nice friend yeah. <laughs> helping out. Uh, she's now our creative director and she's been with us the whole, the whole journey. Um, she and her team create these incredible, uh, images and we've made stickers from them and, and it's just incredible what they, what they can create and how they can make something come to life. Like it, just a story. Yeah. And there, there's so many nuances that people might not even mm -hmm. see. Like for example, the, the St. Joseph sock, it has like one of those typical Argyle patterns in it that you'd see uh -huh. on a nice dress sock, but the St. Joseph's carpenter square is in every notch of it. Or like on the bottom of that one specifically, there's just empty quotation marks, which usually we put like a quote from the saint that's famous, but St. Joseph never said anything. So uh, <laughs> it's just empty quotes. That also empty quotes. Our, our, our personality, our sense of humor, but it gives people talking points too. So that's a nice little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, so you guys, like this whole sock religious thing has spun out of control. I mean, it's, it's become, um, you, you have now like a parent company with like all these subsidiaries and these different, uh, lines of ministry and, and, and creation and apparel, different types of things that you guys are creating. And I want to get into all of that, but first I want to start talking about the two of you. Uh, so what is your relationship to each other and how did you meet? <laughs> Married. We're married. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we met at a super Catholic event, which it, so we were both invited to the like Archdiocese of Indianapolis pro-life fundraiser dinner thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was a pity invite because yeah. they canceled the pro-life, the March for Life trip that I had just moved back into Indy and wanted to get involved in. Um, so I was a pity invite and he was a seat filler. Yep. I worked at ICs <laughs> and they needed to put another button a seat. So I got invited and we got sat at the same table. I bought our, was it Coors Light? Bought our couple of Coors Lights and yeah. the rest is history. Yep. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, that's amazing. But the, I, the beautiful thing of it was like, that's the physical place that we met, but we were both on the, this, this journey like separately in different areas of the city. Uh, but we, we both just at that time said, all right, we're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to, to, to run to Jesus, Jesus in the Eucharist. And in a way like us kind of putting down, you know, breaking down a lot of the barriers coming from different places in life, uh, met there physically. But I feel like in a certain way, like through the Eucharist before that. Hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that's always, you know, for people that are already if you're if you're watching or listening to this and you're already someone that identifies as like a, a faithful catholic like you're pursuing to the best of your ability albeit imperfectly you're pursuing the lord and you're trying to be faithful to the church that he created um you know if you're single and you're trying to find the right person like the best thing is to just run towards jesus and you can look to either side. And if you see someone running, you know, running nearby, also running towards Jesus, you know that that person is probably not a bad fit. Um, yep. it, it's hard when it's not that way. When one of the people are pursuing the Lord, like that's a really tough place to be. So on the note of pursuing the Lord, a lot of people are not. And maybe someone watching or listening to this right now is not. And they're like, what the heck are they talking about? And why should I pursue the Lord and whatever? And, you know, to me, that's where the Kerygma speed round is important. You guys ready? Let's go. Let's do it. So question number one, who is Jesus to you? Each of you take a turn. 
So to to me, Jesus is, you know, obviously the the redeemer. Jesus came, was sent into the world to to save us for, for our, our sins. And uh, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he he walks with us on the journey wherever we are. So no matter what the path, the direction that you're heading, Jesus will come to you in that space, uh, put your arm around you, put his arm around you and walk with you. But that doesn't necessarily mean he'll keep walking in the same direction you are, but he'll turn you around, put you in the right direction and lead you closer to him and, and, and to his church. Beautiful. Amen. Elizabeth. Is that lightning enough? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Most people end up just totally ignoring the whole notion of lightning round. (laughs) We're rule followers. Yeah. Um, So I, I mean, we're all still on our journey of like what true intimacy looks like for a while. I thought he was a friend or a, a, a distant like guy. And now all I know is that life is sweeter and better with him in relationship Mm. than without it doesn't mean anything's like easier Mm -hmm. or less crappy um but it does make it sweeter and he does i used to do a lot of improv and he does always bring back like anything difficult that you've had he he brings it back and and in in uses it for good Mm. being those things come back of like i thought that was lost or i thought that was just silly and he says no i know you and i I bring this back and I, I anoint it. I, I, I make it better. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. And and we're going to come back to the whole you doing improv thing later, but question number two of the Kerygma speed round elevator pitch for a life with Jesus. You want to go first? That's that's, I'm going to use the same, the same thing. Reframe it. You have you have the the length of an elevator to sell someone on Jesus, a life with him. Let's hear it. Life with Jesus is it's dynamic. It's the colors are brighter. There's consolation. There's there's places of rest along the journey. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful meadow. Yep. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say that the word that comes to mind specifically is is freedom life with jesus is free um i think a lot of times when people look at the the rules of the church and the all the different teachings and everything else it can look like we're being drawn into this this jail cell where you know you have to live in these rules by these terms at this time or else but the true world of freedom that comes with living a life with Jesus means that you get to be the person that you were created to be. You get to live freely. You get to be just everything that, that God made you to be. And there's so much freedom and living within that, that context and of that church, because what, what's the alternative? It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, putting yourself up against, uh, the competition. It's, uh, you know, worrying about other, other people, but, in this world of, of, of freedom, you just get to be you. Yeah. I love it. Amen. You get to be the you that was intended by the man that made you by the God that made you. That's beautiful. Um, all right. Final question of the Kerygma speed round. You kind of touched on it there, uh, towards the end, Scott elevator pitch for life specifically as a Catholic, specifically as a Catholic, there's, uh, there's just the beauty of the fullness of, of the church. Um, it's, it's not easier. It's, it's not, um, you know, uh, the, the path of least resistance, but it's, it's the one that God created for us. And it's the, the gift of the Eucharist, uh, himself truly present as a, as a gift is, is him fully alive. It's the church fully alive as a, as a Catholic, everything else is just watered down in some capacity. Mm, Beautiful. How about you, Elizabeth? Um, the sacraments and I mean, where else does Jesus come to you in, in many different forms, in many different ways, um, in many different places. Um, you know, we talk about, I mean, a lot of people feel alone and they feel lonely and they feel like no one's coming for them, but 
the church is always running after us. The church is always coming back, coming, you know, the sacraments of healing, the sacraments. God wants you to live in freedom. Yeah. As Scott said. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Great job, guys. That was a lovely Kerygma speed round. I love all of the answers, the the beauty, the color, the redemption, the chasing. I love it. It's absolutely awesome. Um, all right. So you guys meet by happenstance or not on this trip. And um, then you became married right away? Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't far. Really? <laughs> I was joking. Four, four months of dating. Yeah. Eight months. Wow. Pretty quick. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of that. I think the shorter the dating relationship, the better, as long as you actually know who it is you're marrying. Um, Yeah, that's beautiful. So you start dating for a few months, you get engaged, you you are engaged for eight months or so, you get married. Uh, Scott, did you say that you were a youth minister? Yes, uh, youth minister for three years, and I was at the the Archdiocese of Indianapolis uh, after that and ended up okay. the director of youth ministry for the archdiocese. Okay, cool. And at what point were you like, enough of all this youth ministry, I want to make clothing. <laughs> like what was, <laughs> give me yeah. give me that story. For people that have worked in ministry before, like a, a, a career in ministry is not always the most lucrative career path. And, Accurate. And we, we, we knew that going into it. Um, well, I thought we were just going to like live that life forever like that's where i was like oh okay we'll just we'll we'll be in ministry and you'll you'll do ncyc every couple years and we'll just i was a nurse and we'll just do this yeah we didn't really have any intention of of changing that that path but uh but we started i've always had somewhat of an entrepreneurial mind so whether that was in youth ministry uh as as a as a professional, you know, I didn't always color inside the lines. We did things differently. We thought differently. Uh, but I've always kind of thought that way. And I knew pretty quickly, you know, doing some simple math as we were married uh, and looking at the possibility of raising a family, we knew that we'd have to do something different in some capacity. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was looking for, you know, side gigs, things to mm-hmm. help supplement income. And we had this idea of, well, what, what about Catholic socks? And <laughs> by we, he means him. Yeah. And I thought it was just a conversation and a joke on the way to Chicago. And then he comes back and says, I have a design. I found someone to make them because at this point we were not making them ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd like to buy them and sell them at NCYC. Or we sold them. His mom and I sold them because he was working. Yep. Um, so he had to do his actual job. Um, we got some booth space and sold out in eight hours, five mm-hmm. hours. That's amazing. And so he's like, I let him buy half of them because that's I'm that's what I do. I'm the brake pedal. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the no sayer, and uh, we would have sold out of double that, if not more. That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> do you guys need a moment? <laughs> no, we, we've talked through it. We've, we've moved. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really incredible story that you just kind of have this passing notion and then you execute on it and it's a ridiculous success on your first try. Said no one other than you. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I mean, my trajectory is, is actually super similar minus selling out of the socks. Um, so I, I was in youth ministry and then I kind of moved up in the different types of ministry that happen at a parish. And then eventually I was running the office of marriage and family life for the diocese of Toledo. And, you know, even as you kind of climb the, the ministry ladder, like that doesn't mean you can like have a single income household comfortably, you know, those, those salary brackets are based on the presumption that both the husband and the wife are working full time. So, you know, yes, we're Catholic, go have a bunch of kids, but you better both still go to work and none of you stay home with the kids. Like, I don't get it. I think it's immoral, but it is what it is. The point is that I was in a similar position, taking up side gigs. You know, I was producing music for people on the side. I was going around the country and speaking and doing, you know, leading worship and stuff. And it got to a point where we had to, my wife sat me down and she was like, you got to choose. You can't do all of this. You can't keep doing this. And it was, it was too much. And so we had to make that next morning. I 
submitted my resignation um and and thus is awakened catholic but like we haven't sold out of the socks yet so you know if you would like to help us sell out of the socks make sure to visit catholicmerch.store and you can buy the uber catholic hoodie like this one <laughs> anyway um so back to your story uh the this incredible instance where you, you, this, this little passing notion you have manifests into this like radical success. I mean, how did you process that in the moment? Like, what did that feel like? Well, I mean, it, it wasn't overnight. Like it right now it feels, feels huge, but I mean, we, we sold out that day and we said, okay, this is working. And we said, let's buy some more. And we said, you know, that that success turned into online sales success and we said well let's let's buy a label printer instead of cutting them out out, out of our inkjet printer and for a long time it just i mean it grew it didn't feel like it was huge but if you look back on the course of our business like it's it's a fast growing company you know based on any company not just a catholic merchandise company so right there there's definitely um there's definitely a lot of strategy that came along with it but it was a grind too sure mm -hmm. what was it like to go from you know you're you're buying small batches of it you're printing out of your you know your home mm -hmm. printer what was it like to go from that to being like the colossal behemoth that is now sock religious like what what did that take was it like someone reached out to you and said hey i can help you you know inject this with success like what what did that look like yeah we've i mean we've never taken outside money or or anything like that it's it's definitely been a a bootstrapped company but uh you know, we, we never got outside investments. We had a couple of people offer, but that's not something I was super interested in. But what we did get was was an enormous amount of 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 people that wanted to invest in us. And and that's like us as people, not us as a as like a financial contributor. And uh there's there's people that just wanted to see us be successful because they thought what we were doing is cool and what the church needed in a unique and different way. Um, and I, I mean, I leaned on mentors multiple times over the year to ask for help and ask for support and ask questions about making a real business and things like that. So mm -hmm. I will say also it's taken a lot of courage. Um, cause for a while I was still working as a nurse until up until last year, a little over a year now, mm -hmm. um, we made the decision for our family. Um, but he, I mean, think about like going through the pandemic and going through all the, uh, when there were shipping containers just stuck places, like for him to have the courage to f not only want to make socks and things here in, in the mm -hmm. United States to do it in Indianapolis and the way, I mean, the way you've navigated like bringing manufacturing here has been a really neat experience. Um, there, I mean, I don't know, I think explaining that is really neat because we have some incredible talent and in the, like the knitting technicians that are employed here um, and different facets of what we do from every part of it. Like they have year, decades and decades of experience. Yeah. And I just think it's really interesting how, how the heck that happened. Yeah. So a uh, little bit of context. So we, we used to source our, our, our socks from overseas. And when uh, the pandemic hit, we, we really saw the, the state of global logistics to be uncertain at best. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, you know, we would see container ships being, you know, piled up in the port of Los Angeles for, for, you know, God knows how long. And we, we knew that we wanted to mitigate that, that, uh, risk. So we were just looking to shore up our manufacturing process. And uh, there's a place in about 35 minutes ago or 35 minutes away from where we live that has been a sock manufacturer. They do licenses for, for NFL teams and things like that. Wow. And we, we worked with them briefly um, when we first started, but we didn't really have the buying power uh, at that point. So right. And they got up, bought out by a private equity firm and uh, their lead time went from 12 weeks to 24 weeks, which was just out of the question for us at that time. So when we came back and we're trying to find a domestic manufacturer again, we reached back out to them and they said, well, we're no longer, you know, making them here. We just made that decision a few months ago. 
Um, and I just said, wow. well, we're, what happened to those machines and the people that worked on them? And we ended up, uh, you know, I pulled every contact and string that I could to get to the right person. And I ended up meeting with their CEO and bought some of their machines. And now we employ four people that all they've done for the last 20 years is work in the knitting industry and they didn't, didn't have a job in their trade anymore. That is amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So now we have 10 knitting machines and four employees from that field and own own the vertical. So it's pretty cool. That's amazing. Wow. And, and so how do they feel going from like, you know, making NFL socks and stuff to making Catholic socks? So I'm assuming that I, I wouldn't take for granted that they're all Catholic. Yeah, they're, they're not. Um, and, and, and they also like travel a lot longer to get here than they did at at their other job, but, but they loved what they did. Like they loved making socks. Um, and I think one unique thing also, and not, not to put anything down from the other company, but the other company was a behemoth. They, they had a, you know, uh, and it used to be more of like a punch in punch out situation for them. And they come here and we're able to, you know, really invest in them and, and they're the experts in the field. Yeah. We want to know from them what, how to make better things like they they have that information and they have so it's so cool to watch our creative team and and like the the tech the technical team create and make something incredible yeah yeah wow and so that's the manufacturing side of it so you you still presently have four of them right four team members yeah doing that yeah we have we have four different uh people that specialize in knitting okay um so you said that you made the first design. Well, so, but <laughs> so you sort of did. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, I like sketched stick out drawing. on a piece of paper. Like this is uh, a little stick figure of JP two with uh, like a little, you know, his, his crozier. And yeah, this is the pattern that I want. And then we just decided, you know, that's probably not a good idea. And <laughs> Okay. So who did you pursue initially when you weren't the colossal thing you are now to, you know, how did you find the talent to create those designs initially? Yeah. So Madison Cipolletti is our creative director and she was working in the young adult office at the archdiocese and she went to, uh, you know, college for graphic design. So I, I knocked on the wall and <laughs> I, knocked on the wall. I, I said, hello, I would like, to, <laughs> I would like to employ you to, to, uh, to make this design for us and we had like kind of an outline of what it, the specifications and she said okay and made it that's awesome now she's been with us since the beginning it's been awesome mm-hmm. what would you say spiritually has been the best and the hardest parts of transitioning out of ministry in that sense mm-hmm. where you're you know, boots on the ground, evangelizing and, and all that, that entails to now working more in this, um, you know, uh, merchandise industry that is a lot less boots on the ground evangelization. Like what has that journey been transitioning because you spent so much time doing it, right. the, the best parts, the worst parts. And I want to hear that kind of from both of your perspectives. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really difficult and really hard to leave a job that you love. Yeah. Like I had just completed a, a, a master's degree that I hadn't paid for yet uh, <laughs> in church management and like in pastoral studies, church management, that was the career path. There was no sign of us heading a different direction. And I truly loved going to work every day. I didn't feel like I went to work every day. Um, and, but we, but we realized that there was something here that we could not ignore um, there was really, truly like the growth that we saw in our business, the, the conversations that we were having with people, we knew that this silly idea of, of Catholic socks had, had legs, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it was, and it was, it was going somewhere and we, you know, I was spending morning lunch hour and into the evening, just maintaining the business, packing out orders dealing with, uh, you know, technology issues and everything in between. And, uh, it was either hire somebody full-time to do it or, or dive in full-time myself. And, and we, we knew that that was going to be a shot on if I needed to come back to uh, a ministry career or things like that. But we just, we took time, we prayed about it. It seemed like a long shot, but, 
Um, we knew that that's where we were being called to do. And yes, it's, it's, it's not necessarily boots on the ground evangelization. Um, but there is some of that too. Like the fact that, you know, we were, we've put out ads to sell more socks on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and everything else. But that is, you know, millions of impressions of us telling people about the lives of the saints. Mm. And like we get to be in in the digital marketplace, in the the town square where people are every day. And it's sure it's different, but it's where people are. And it's a way that we can sustainably do that. And, and, you know, we're not the ones doing the evangelization, but we're giving people the tools to do it well. And we, we know people that, uh, you know, have, you know, wear their socks when they are getting their cancer treatments. They, we know people that wear their, have worn our socks when they've gotten married. And we know people that have worn our socks when they've been buried. And there's like, that's a huge span of, because people want to be close to the lives of the saints. People want to, to walk that journey of faith. And it's just the, giving them more tools to do that well. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's actually super, super cool. Um, and, and I love the emphasis on that versus just like, oh, here's a cool product that will make us money. You know, like yeah. you're, you're, you're putting a lot more thought and, and uh, heart behind it. And, and I think likely based on everything you just explained, really making an impact. And even just from what I shared before, like when I wear the socks, it's a conversation starter. It, it makes an impact, even if I don't see the the end of that impact. Absolutely. Um, that's beautiful. So you were, you were talking about uh, the equity firm that purchased the sock manufacturing company and the, the transitions that happened there, you, you ended up taking on their employees and their machines. One of the other things that they did away with when they kind of eliminated that part of what they did there is they got rid of the Catholic weird stuff segment. And um, that based on what you were telling me before we started recording, I, I, I think that that is just incredibly problematic and it's really doing a disservice to everyone involved. Um, and so I think it's going to be really important for us to bring that back. So uh, Ethan, hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Catholic Weird Stuff segment. Today, our guests, Scott and Elizabeth Williams, have chosen to talk to us about dead people. Uh, no, <laughs> really, we're, what we're going to talk about is when a Catholic dies, um, you know, some especially special people that die go through something that's called a canonization process. And sometimes we end up with relics of their body parts. And all of these things can be pretty weird. So let's hear about it. Scott and Elizabeth, talk to us. Talk to us about dead people. Yeah, I, we think it's a little weird. So, uh, <laughs> so I, w- I was just down in Chattanooga last weekend and I went to, there's a basilica there and they have these massive reliquaries with all these different relics. I was sitting in the back of the church, but I saw, I'm pretty sure there's hundreds there. Uh, there's also a servant of God that they exhumed his body. So I think the, you know, you, you die and then... Uh, if you lived a holy life, you go through this canonization process. During that time, you're typically buried. Uh, but if you, if you have a cause opened, uh, I don't know at what point, like they exhume your body from the ground because they want to check whether or not uh, you're incorrupt, right? One, yeah. whose job is that? And uh, you call to get that completed. <laughs> so, like, I think that part's weird. And then they move him to a church, which he or she, I shouldn't say, the one that was at this church sure, was that's a fair. Um, So he was in a church then, and then now he's just there, which, like, that's, that's all good. Um, but then if you become canonized, then... Then you get to like venerate the relics, but then they'll like cut cut the body up in a gazillion pieces, uh-huh. ship it around the world, and I find that to be a little odd. I don't think we do that much, <laughs> much now, but Elizabeth and I decided that we're gonna put it in our will that if we die, that's to be too presumptuous. Yeah. but like <laughs> our goal is to become saints. The goal so, is like, sainthood. Let's, but let's we would like honest. to stay together as one. One, one body person preferably 
together at some yeah. point, but we're, we're going to have to talk to the people over at my Catholic will and, and have them develop like a cookie cutter, you know, accommodation for that concern yeah. <laughs> in the case of canonization. Do not chop me up. <laughs> you can take some of my hair and yeah. that can be, uh, but, but you know, let's leave the body together. And like the other thing I think is weird, like, like the, 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 the teaching on, on cremation is like, it's permitted, Right. But they say like all the ashes need to stay together and they need to, you know, be buried or put in, I forget what that's called that you put it in. Um, an urn. An urn. And, but, you know, if you're a saint, then we can just, you're not supposed to spread your ashes, but if you're a saint, we can just. Chop, 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 chop. Yeah. <laughs> that's my weird. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's such an interesting thing because it looks like contradictions. It looks like. You know, wait a second. Well, and even even just the notion of cremation, like it is so widespread, this notion that it is not to be done um, when there is truth to that. But there's also truth that there are circumstances in which we can't cremate. And, and why are we even making a big fuss of this when we're over here chopping up our holy people? This perceived inconsistency, uh, this perceived inconsistency is really getting at this notion of the heart, which is really not that different than most things in life. It really gets into the heart of the reason we do the things that we do. So for example, I can take the trash out because I love my wife. I can sometimes end up not taking the trash out. Now there are two different reasons that it might happen that I didn't take the trash out. Reason number one, it didn't occur to me. I just didn't think of it. My mind was on other things. A far less egregious sin than reason number two, I see it there and I'm just like, nah, she'll take care of it. You know, in, in either case, it's unfortunate that I didn't take the trash out, but there's one that's a lot more egregious and it's the, the intentionality behind the act. And so some people, when they incinerate and they turn the body to ashes, um, there's this disregard for the reality of the resurrection. There's almost this like flippant, you know, my body was just this shell, this, this little flesh suit that I had to wear during my time where my spirit was here on earth. And this is a very flawed way of thinking of the world, but it is a rampant way of thinking of the world. Mm -hmm. the, the Catholic worldview is that our bodies are a part of what makes us us. Our bodies are not just some like I said, flesh suit that we inhabit, it is actually a part of what makes us human in all of creation. As we know it, as, as what was told to us in the, in the book of Genesis and, and throughout the thousands of years of tradition, human beings are in all of creation, the only thing that is both spirit and material, right? So we have the angels in heaven and we have here on earth, the plants and animals, these, these material things, these material beings, but only in humanity do we have the spirit and the material. And it is not that humanity is spirit that like has some material attached to it, like glued onto it. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Humanity is spirit and material in a completely cohesive uh, way. And it, they aren't two separate realities. They are one reality. And that's what makes us human. And so this utter disregard that the, the secular world has for the physical body. And let's face it, there's a lot of reason for this, right? Like a lot of us don't like our bodies. A lot of us look down and we're like, dang it still. I, why can't I just magically have a six pack, you know? Um, and then there's other people who have very deep seated wounds about their body from trauma or, or who knows what, sure. but a lot of us just downright don't associate with our bodies. In fact, we, we disassociate from our bodies and, and we look forward to the opportunity to be freed from it. And this is all counter to the gospel. This is all counter to the truth, which is that there is a resurrection and, and the resurrection that Jesus put on display for us is a foreshadowing of what we too will experience on the last day when the dead are raised and we are reunited with our bodies and we go to heaven, the new heaven and new earth in our new glorified bodies. It's not, I'm not going to have like a, a version 2.0. That's like a new model of my body. It will be my body as it is now, but glorified just as Christ, when he was resurrected, had his wounds. And so we permit in the Catholic church cremation when 
there are, are good reasons for it, whether it's that there, you know, there isn't enough space for regular burials in a certain area or, or, but, but the key is that we are not essentially for, you know, forgive my, my crassness here, but as long as we're not flipping the bird to God in the, in our desire to cremate, it's not the bad thing. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about respecting what God gave us and respecting our ultimate destiny and, and really anticipating and looking forward to it with excitement. And so when we're, when we're chopping up our saints, you know, there's so much, uh, there's, there are so many instances in scripture where, um, even, a, the dead body of a holy person, uh, did, uh, caused miraculous things. There's instances of that in the Old Testament. There's instances of that in the New Testament. And it goes all the way back to the early church. The early uh, Christians who were being martyred and were it was illegal to be Christian, these people were walking around wearing on their person, wearing relics of their uh, martyred loved ones um, as a way of connecting and remaining in communion with them who are now in heaven. Mm-hmm. So there's so much history here. There's so much beauty here. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is a really fascinating thing and, and it's hard for us. And I know Elizabeth, you, you are a hospice nurse, right? I am. Like you're around death and, and the anticipation of death mm-hmm. all the time. What is that like? Um, it, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and it's interesting that um i'm now a mom we've got uh two kids and one on the way and congratulations thank you and learning how um like birth and death and those things are much more related than than not related um so mm. that's been a really really um interesting thing becoming a mom as i'm like doing doing that work um but honestly, we we don't as a society know how to die. Wow, that's so deep. And it's the only, it's one of the only things that we're all going to do. Um, and so a lot of what I've seen um, with the sacraments, there's much more peace, or there's much more. I don't want to say depth to the journey because everyone has depth to their journey, but there's a lot more respite on the journey in faith. Um, yes than without it. And when you, just like in labor, just when you like avoid contractions or you avoid the, the waves that come, avoiding that in death brings like unrest. It brings grief, strife. It brings, um, fear, not only to the person experiencing it, who sometimes can and sometimes cannot communicate that it, it is felt in the room. It's felt, I've personally felt it. Um, I've been, it's hard as a nurse when you are accompanying people, you don't always know what is ordered and what is grief in a different way coming at you. Um, so that's taken a lot of personal, um, discernment. And when when you say that grief, uh, coming at you in a different way, you mean like a disordered grief or, 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 Yes. Whether yeah, something that isn't healthy. Yes. Or whether that's, um, I mean, anger can be healthy, but if it's directed in the wrong way or it's not understood where it's coming from, it can often, I mean, this is just personally, but can often come to the caregivers of like, you did this or that, or if there's blame or if there's shame or if there's, um, regret, um, oftentimes that can be misplaced. And so, it's, it's interesting. People don't know how to necessarily hold their feelings and just be with them or identify what those are. I mean, we've got a four-year-old that we're and myself as however old I am trying to figure out like, what am I feeling at a certain time? Mm. Um, so that's what we do a lot of like accompanying with, like, I see this, I see that you're experiencing this right now. Like what, mm-hmm. where is that coming from? Um, so that's really helped me kind of process a lot of things, but just witnessing families going through that together has been a really beautiful and healing thing. And it's been a divisive and, and hurtful thing at different times. And when you see the disordered examples of grief, uh, where it's unhealthy and it's unconstructive and it brings unnecessary fear and despair and all this stuff, like, where do you think some of that comes from? Like, are there any, um, consistent, like correlations you can draw when you've encountered that? Um, 
A lot of it is, I, I don't completely know, but a lot of it is a regret. A lot of mm. things that have happened or not happened or not been processed through trauma. Um, mm-hmm. And and that presents itself in a really, uh, yeah, in a way that to acknowledge that regret is a step forward through the journey instead of like, you got that book, you can't go under it, you can't go around it, you've got to go through it, mm. um, is something that a lot of people are really afraid to afraid to acknowledge and to do. So when we've seen it done well, conversations happen or even if the person can't we say that hearing is the last sense to go um and we have seen people wait for people come in um from the airport or wherever just to get at the bedside before like someone will wait days and days for a relative to be at the bedside and then so there 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 is awareness there is hearing there is you just you just know when your family is all around you of who should be there. And so, um, when those things are acknowledged and when those things are brought up and, and, um, there's a lot more healing and a lot more peace that, that can be visibly seen so that, you know, medications are helpful. I'm not going to say they're not, but sometimes we look to them first when the actual situation that's happening, something that needs to be brought up. Like, it's it's a really scary experience. It can be isolating and lonely, but I mean, I've seen I've seen someone pass away with a smile on their face. Like you know, they're going into the arms of someone where they are truly known. Mm. You can see that and you can feel that, and I think that's that's what we all want. You know, yeah. we don't know how to get there. We don't know how to die well. So not that I. That's so powerful. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. What you made me think of is is actually what you brought up during the Caribbean speed round, the sacraments, like the, the the genius of the sacraments, the 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 real power that there is for healing and redemption, where you don't have to live with regret anymore because it's it's been redeemed, it's been healed, um, you know. And and sometimes you can augment that even if it's not part of the penance that's offered to you by the priest, you can augment that by directly apologizing to the people that you have hurt, or even to the people that have hurt you for carrying whatever resentment that you were carrying. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the sacraments are so genius and so beautiful and so powerful, <clears throat> and it is possible to be on your deathbed without regret and to be healed. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, guys. Before we dive in to our final segment of the show, where we're going to talk about the booming business, the parent company of Sock Religious now, above it, with its many subsidiaries. Before we get into it, I just want to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, which is the trip to the Holy Land that we're taking later this year. If you would like to attend, if you would like to come with us on a journey to walk where our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be his name, where he walked, performed miracles, where he was born, where he did all the awesome stuff that he did, and even where a lot of the Old Testament stuff happened. If you want to be there, which I highly recommend, I did it for the first time myself a couple of years ago, and it was wow. Completely changed my life, and I am not exaggerating. You definitely want to consider coming with us. Visit awakenpilgrimages.com. It'll be led by myself and Father Eric Schild, who is the pastor of St. Joe's Parish in Maumee, Ohio. He's an amazing priest. We're going to have an amazing time. He's also a lot of fun. Uh, If you think I'm okay, you're going to love Father Eric. So check it out, awakenpilgrimages.com. All right. So, Scott and Elizabeth, we're going to be talking here about Catholic concepts. And I'm not just talking about concepts that are Catholic. I'm talking about Catholic concepts, the business that you started. What is this thing called Catholic concepts? Yeah, so, I mean, we started as soccer religious, and we, we, we kind of have a joke around here that if we started a Catholic tie company 10 years ago, we'd be out of business, right? So, as, <laughs> as, as soccer religious has, has grown, I mean, we have no no desire, no plan of socks going off of our radar, but we did want to continue to, to grow, grow that market. Um, Mm. we, we, we realized that there was so much creativity and so much talent and so much opportunity that our, the people in our organization have that we needed uh, a new name for us to be able to grow because soccer just kind of puts us in this box of, the sock company, right? Um, so Catholic Concepts was uh, born to be the the parent company, if you will, of sock religious, and we've we've added a, a few 
other brands that serve specific uh, areas in the Catholic sphere as well. Very cool. So talk to me about what those are and why you started them. Yeah. So um, the the most or the first one after that was called statesoffaith.com. Um, and states of faith is a basically do you have where are you from? What what state? I'm in Ohio. Ohio. So does anybody in Ohio ever wear like the shape of Ohio on their shirt and it says like home or something like that? I think I have seen it. Yes. Oh, sorry. You're familiar. So we took that same concept, uh, but we outlined every state in the rosary. So there's Ooh. an outline with 53 or 50 beads on it, whatever it is. Um, and there's kind of two elements to it. Like one, we want to uh, give people merchandise and an opportunity to both express and be proud of uh, the state that they live in, uh, but also their faith and to be able to surround their state in prayer. And so basically the cross-section of people that love where they're from and love the rosary. That's an epic idea. And you can actually use the shirt or whatever, the mug, the sweatshirt, as my rosary broke and I... I was looking around. What was I going to do? I mean, you could use your fingers, which is also <laughs> a genius. But you could use the shirt to follow along. So that was that was pretty neat. Uh, That's great. I love that. But it's like, I don't know, I kind of compare it to, you know, you go to your, your favorite brewery and there's a cool collection of hip stuff. Yeah, we like the hip stuff. Yeah. but That's awesome. Nicer stuff. So that's States of Faith. Yep. So... So stay- tell me about live liturgically. Yeah, so liveliturgically.com. It's a it's a single product site right now. We do have some some uh, plans to to grow that a little bit. Uh, do you want to explain this one? We're really excited about it. It's um it stands as a uh, wall planner, a family wall planner right now. Um and it helps blend the chaos of family life and schedules with the rhythm of the church and its seasons and its feast days in its joys and sorrows and, and as, as it ebbs and flows, so does our family. So how mm. do we, how do we blend the two together and live in a more cohesive, but also more ordered way? There are seasons of rest. Like on Sunday, we have the gospel passage, the, the, what am I trying to say? The the gospel passage. Then we have the word rest and that's all we really have on that day. And then we have the a quote from the gospel to kind of guide the week um, that you can kind of you can reference. And then there's to do lists and and a store list, just like anyone would need. But also there's a gratitude list and um, mm. a prayer intention list, so that when you're looking up, what am I going to, you know, whose feast day is it on Thursday? You also can see like what what who do I need to be remembering on this day? Is it somebody's birthday, their baptism day? Is it somebody's like having surgery? Like there's room for all of those things, but also like we need to get this person to soccer practice and like dinner's going to be out this night or what's, you know, what's dinner on Friday? Like mm-hmm. all those things. But what it does is it also like adds intentionality to your week. And that's what we were yeah. really missing because this isn't going to replace like your family Google calendar or however, like you're currently, you know, organizing your life. But what it, the way that we use it and the way that it's intended to use, not to say that you can't do it a different way is we sit down at the beginning of the week and we, we look through our week and we, we pray and we ask God to be present in that. We look at uh, the feast days that are, are that week on the, on the wall planner. And um, we try to figure out a way to, you know, be grateful for the things that have happened the past week, uh, add intentions for the things that we need coming up and to plan the craziness of our family life within the rhythms of the church. That is so amazing. I love the practicality of it and the uh, the how applicable it is to every household. I mean, even if, even if you don't have kids, like yeah. if if you're even if you're single, there's relevance to to utilizing something like that. Um, you know, I can see for my wife Alina and I, like we have kind of informally done something along those lines at the beginning of the week, but we've never had like a tool like what you're talking about to mm-hmm. concretely, you know, work with. So that's really, really exciting. I love that. Uh, and folks, you know, the makers of the product themselves are using it. So, you know, it's good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Talk to us about four marks printing. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about manufacturing before and we've really integrated that into the majority of, of what we do. So we have, uh, you know, right above me where we're sitting here, there's a, there's a, automatic screen printing press. We have uh, sublimation. We have all these different tools to make merchandise and 
products that are a really uh, uh, scaled version of that. We, we can make them fast because we're a very seasonal business and we need that capacity in the fourth quarter around Christmas time. Um, but the rest of the year, it's not as busy. And so Formarks Printing is specifically a, a print shop for Catholic churches, schools, um, apostolates, you name it, to make uh, apparel and gear so that whether it's their, um, you know, retreat t-shirts or their, you know, school, you know, spirit day stuff, you name it. We, we make it here. And, and you and I know from working at a parish that uh, sometimes it takes Susie, the, 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 the parish secretary that's cutting checks two or three weeks to, to, to process a check run. Not, oh, yeah. not every print shop's going to get that. And they usually ask you to, to, you know, pay in front before everything comes. And, and we, we understand the pain points that exist in ministry and we try to remove as many of those as possible so that people can get back to doing what they really signed up in ministry to do, which was to work in ministry, not all the bull that comes along with apparel and printing and things like that. Yeah, that's really cool. I love the focus on not only the focus of like making that stuff for Catholic organizations, but doing it, understanding their dynamics and working with meeting them where they're at with that. That's really cool. Cause no, you're right. Nobody else is doing that. Um, and the moment you guys add drop shipping to it, then, uh, we'll become customers too. There you go. Uh, <laughs> um, talk to us about all set for Sunday. Yeah. All set for Sunday is a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little bit more prepared for Sunday mass. So, uh, that's what we say at the beginning of every show. That's why I got it down so good. <laughs> but it's essentially myself and our chief operating officer and one of my one of my best friends, Jeff. We we sit down and we invite one of our our priest friends into the conversation, and we do what we call the two minute drill of the the readings. We we kind of briefly go over the the first and second reading, and then we read the gospel in its entirety, and then we have. Uh, a, a conversation with the priest about what he plans on preaching about that weekend. So think nice. about, uh, you know, kind of giving a general outline or, you know, part of the homily, but me and Jeff just like raise our hands and ask questions and poke holes in it. And there's a fun little dynamic. It's lighthearted, but essentially, you know, we have young kids and depending on their temperament that week, we could hear anywhere between 10% to to 75% of the homily typically. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this is a, a podcast for people to fill in the dots of what they missed. Amen. That is a very needed and, and welcome thing. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a, the struggle is real, man. When you're, especially with newborns, they just like, now is a perfectly good time to have a meltdown. And it's like the homily or the, or the consecration. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That is, that is the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Um, well, that's super, super cool. I love that. What day of the week does that come out? Uh, whenever we get it done. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Not as professional as a Wiccan Catholic. And <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Listen, we do our best, but I would not, you know, I think you, you overspoke there. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, is there anything else you want people to know about? Um, where can people find you? Tell us. Yeah. Catholicconcepts.com is kind of the, the holding tank of, if you want to find all the stuff, it'll, it'll point you in the right direction. All the other domains are basically what they're called. Um, and we're all over the social medias and all that kind of good stuff, but feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, if you have any custom projects, or if you just want some good old fashioned, wonderful Catholic socks, this is our Easter sock Ooh. right here. Um, it has, this is one of my favorite ones we've ever yeah, made. I it's, think it's pretty darn cool. This is the Easter vigil sock. Can I run you through it real quick? Yeah, please do. I see the Easter candle yep. on the front, right? We got the, the fire at the bottom. We got the, the, the Paschal candle here. And then, uh, if you're familiar with the Easter vigil, there's a point where like people pass the light around. Mm -hmm. And so the, uh, from the, from the Easter candle, that's all passed around. Some of them are unlit or lit. And then the back says... The light of Christ. So that's our Easter vigil sock. That is a great sock. I would love me a pair of them. <laughs> that is super cool. I, I love the stuff that you guys are pumping out. You're doing so much good work for the kingdom. Uh, and I hope that the Lord continues to bless what you guys are doing, truly. Um, 
And also, thank you for being on the show today. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. A lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll make sure to include links for all you viewers and listeners in the show description, the episode description, links to all of the things, uh, sock religious and Catholic concepts and all the jazz. Um, And please do support the work that they are doing and you will look all the better for it. Uh, I have been Nick. This um, this has been a blast, guys. Uh, I hope that we get to meet in person sometime. Yeah. Uh, and um, how far along are you, Elizabeth? Um, uh, really close. <laughs> really close. Okay. In March. Yep. Oh wow, you are close. Okay. Well, please, uh, listeners, viewers, pray for Elizabeth and her uh, baby. And um, guys, this has been a blast. Viewers and listeners, before you go, I just need you to know that Jesus loves you. Peace.